So I got a question for you here. How many here uh, really understand return on investment, ROI? That's an important term to you, and, and you're looking for opportunities to make sure you have a good return on investment. And, and if it's not going to be a good return on your investment, you're not really into putting in the effort, the work, the investment that's being asked of you. And I think we all probably come to an agreement and say we, we, we want a good return on our investment. Unfortunately, sometimes things don't end up like that, do they? Sometimes you put a lot of work, a lot of effort into something, and nothing comes back in return. And that's very frustrating. I know just recently um, I was filling out this file uh, that I had to fill out this uh, form uh, online. And it said in the very beginning, now if this takes longer than you have, you can always go away and come back and we'll, it'll automatically save itself. And so I, it was about three hours into this and I was running out of time, so I had to get up and I left and came back and to finish it out and I could not find it. It was nowhere to be found. Three hours. I mean, how many know you waste a lot of good cells, brain cells in three hours trying to think through these things? And, and it was gone. It was somewhere in some myst, mystical clouds somewhere. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to find this in whatever cloud it's going to be in. But I'm not going to, even if it takes me 10 days, I'm going to find it because that was too much work. You know what I'm saying? And um, the good news is it took me 45 minutes, but I eventually found it. But I, 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 that, that frustration, how many know what I'm talking about? You've worked hard on something, you just went to save it and didn't save or whatever, it's gone. And just the frustration of, oh my goodness, all this work and it's gone. And so I, I had that moment, and, and I understand that frustration. But I want to tell you this morning that our soul was created by God to bring a healthy, good return on your investment. Your soul was created to grow. Your soul was created to respond to your renewed spirit and help you think faith-filled thoughts to help you uh, make good, wise choices to cause you to feel and to move in God's love, joy, and peace because your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions that have now been renewed by your spirit. I liken the soul to that of a garden. Uh, some of you here are gardeners. How many gardeners we have in the house? Gardeners, gardener, gardenerettes. I don't know what you call a female gardener. Oh uh, yeah, how many how many wannabe gardeners do we have in the house? I mean, how many how many washed up gardeners do we have in the house? You, you used to garden, but you're done with that, and now you just go to buy it at Walmart, right? Nothing like a good old tomato from the farm, right? I stopped I stopped not long a while back. I stopped at this truck, you know, I had to tailgate down, you know, fresh tomatoes sign and all kind of stuff. And I thought, man, I'm going to get me some good old farm fresh tomatoes and, and fruit and all that kind of stuff. And so I, 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 I actually got all the rest of his tomatoes and a couple of the little things. And he, and he put it in a, a Walmart sack for me. And then he said, as I was walking away, well, it looks like I'm going to have to go back to Walmart and get some more tomatoes. He wasn't kidding. He meant that. He, was, he, he got the stuff from Walmart, for crying out loud, anyway. I remember my dad. My dad would, every spring, come along. And we lived up north, and, and it was cold in the wintertime. And so when springtime came, 
you know, things, the first day of spring when it comes out and, and you have the warm weather finally, and you're feeling the sunshine, the birds are starting to come out, the blooms are starting to come out on the trees, the buds, and, and, and something just happens to you. If some of you from the north, you know what I'm talking about, you just like come alive again. It's like you come out of your, 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 your hibernation. And my, my dad would, every springtime, he would get in this like, you know, garden mood. You know what I'm How many know what I'm talking about? Just like, I got to go plant something, you know? And, uh, and, and so, so he, he got, he invested in this Troy-built rototiller, red, Troy-built, one of the state-of-the-art at that time rototillers there were. And uh, he, he, he took us out and he, he said to my mom and I, he said, let me show you about how this thing works. This is going to be amazing. Got the big engine on the front. He goes, watch this. Well, <laughs> he, he put that thing down, but he didn't press it down hard enough and the thing just like started taking off on him. And next thing he's like this, chasing, basically holding on, just running for his life. And we had an electrical fence, electric fence to keep the horse in. And he's trying to turn that thing before he got to the fence. And he got it up against the fence. He couldn't get it moved. And he just kept bumping up against the back of the electrical fence. Woo! 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 I'm like, we're having a Pentecostal garden right here. This is what we're going to have. We're going to have some fruits of the Spirit all up in this thing. Oh, it was a... So springtime, you know, got to plant something, and, but, you, but he would be so proud. I mean, he would work that soil and work it and work it and work it until it was just like fine little granulars of soil in, in the ground, in the earth there. And he was so proud of that. And then he would plant his rows, you know, just, just perfect rows of, you know, cucumbers and tomatoes and, and all that. And, and, uh, and then, then the sun the summer would come and the sun would beat down and my dad would never be found in that garden again for the rest of the summer. It was, it was done. And he would say, son, he would come and pull out the farm instrument called a hoe. He goes, this is a hoe and this is going to be your best friend all summer long and I want you to keep all the weeds out of this garden. And so my life literally came to an end the day I, I met Mr. Ho. And, uh, and I would spend my summers just taking weeds out and cursing Adam and Eve, you know, from falling, you know, because there was no weeds before. And, and uh, anyway, had all this going on. And so my grandfather moved and, and, he, and he loved gardening and God saved me and transformed me. But I learned a lot of things because uh, he did all the work and I didn't have to do hoeing anymore. But I learned a lot about soil at that time. What I began to realize is that it, it, the seeds are made to grow. And and, and my dad never came home uh, after planting all these things out in this garden and just, uh, you know, after a few days and look at the ground and go, how come we don't have corn? How come we don't have cucumbers? How come there's no green beans? Because why? Because he realized, as we all do, it takes time, right? But there's something happening under the soil that you can't see, and that seed that you planted is miraculously coming to life. See, if you don't have a good harvest, it's not probably because of the seed. The seed's usually always good. It's the fact that you haven't prepared the soil to inhabit the seed. 
Oh, oh, come on, you can amen me from time to time. It's okay, we can, uh, uh, we can talk to you a little bit. But I'm telling you that the soil is, is that which is, causes this, the seed to become healthy and to grow. And if there's a defect in my life, it's not because of the seed that's been planted in my soul. It's because my soul hasn't properly been maintained to cause the seed to begin to grow. Your soil, your soul, soul, soil, soil, soul is only one letter different. And, 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 but it has a whole lot of difference when it comes to your life. And if you will plant the seed of Christ deep into your soul, and if you'll take care of that soul, you'll take care of your mind, your will, your emotions. If you allow the Spirit of the Lord to really begin to change your mind, your will, and emotions, that seed is going to incubate. That seed is going to grow. That seed doesn't know what else to do other than grow. It doesn't know what it's like to be dead. That seed will grow in your life. People will sit around and take note of what's happening in your life because you've allowed your soul to be tended. The Bible says it very clearly, 3 John 1 verse 2, Beloved, I wish you above all things, not a few things. I wish you above all things, what? That you may prosper and be in health even as your, what? Your soul prospers. What that attaches, that attaches even your soul to your finances and even your health. I could say and make a good argument according to the word that your finances and your health could be blessed or in jeopardy based on how you're taking care of your soul. If your soul is not prospering, then your finances or your health is probably diminishing as well. There needs to be an awareness inside of you that above all things, I've got to take care of my soul. In fact, it says in Mark chapter eight, uh, what good is it, Jesus said, for someone to gain the whole world but to lose what? Forfeit their soul. So we understand that we are a three-part being. Just review for just a moment. You are a, you are a spirit. You're going to live for eternity in a spirit form that has a body, excuse me, that has a soul that lives in a body. And your soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And it is governed by whoever governs the spirit. If God governs your spirit, then, then your soul is subject to the Lord. If the, uh, the flesh governs your spirit or the enemy, Satan, governs your spirit, then that's who's controlling the soul. So let's talk about this soul a little bit more as we continue our series called Soul Care. We talked about a few weeks ago that the word soul means in the Hebrew to be breathed upon or that which breathes. We talked about how God created man in the garden, perfect human being. But he was really no different than an animal at that point until what? God breathed into him. When God breathed, what he did was he instilled a soul into this individual. And now through the breath of God, we begin to live. When God breathes into us, we come alive. We now have a soul. We're likened, if you would, unto the Lord. Two weeks ago, we pointed out how that soul needs a break. The soul needs a rest. The soul needs a Sabbath. The soul has to have that soil 
given a break or the soul has to have a time where we experience the Sabbath. I really want to touch on that. I want to rear back and hit one more time this Sabbath that we had talked about a couple weeks ago because I didn't feel like we did, gave it justice. Matthew chapter 11, 28, come to me all you who are weary and are burdened and I will, what? Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And here's the, here's the kicker. You're going to find rest for your toes. Oh, souls. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We introduce to you the one-minute pause. Encourage you for one minute, from periodically throughout your day, to pause, take a moment, and say, Father, I give you everything, and I give you everyone. And repeat it several times until it becomes a part of you, and you feel your sense, yourself really releasing that burden. Father, I give you everything, and I give you everyone. And then after that prayer, then make a second prayer, one minute pause. Father, fill my cup to overflowing. Fill my cup to overflowing. Take that one minute pause. It's going to do great uh, give you great benefits to your soul. Why do you need that? Because we're living in a time where most people are fighting against this restless spirit, this restless tendency. People are restless. I hear people say from time to time, uh, I'll ask, how'd you, how'd you sleep last night? I was just restless. I just tossing, just turning, just restless. Just, just sort of what, what, what's this restlessness about? It's a, it's, a, it's a soul many times driven by anxiety, by stress, a worry, perhaps uneasiness or some kind of thing is causing you to be uptight. And so what? You're restless. God doesn't want us to be restless. He wants us to rest, not be restless. And so I picked out a few scriptures in the Bible about people that rested in the Lord and the benefits that happened from their lives when they did. Uh, let's look at one benefit when you begin to rest in God. The church makes its appearing. We are the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, hello, church. You're the church. And you begin to manifest the likeness of God from a posture of rest. The book of Genesis chapter two tells us how God began to create the world and then he created his masterpiece, Adam, and then, and then God created Eve. And what did he do? He caused Eve, or excuse me, Adam to fall to sleep. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. You know the story, he took, he took one of the ribs out of Adam and, and created Eve. Eve is a picture if you would, a type of the church. Adam, a type of Christ. Jesus would be later referred to as the second Adam. The church is a type of Eve, and a type of Eve. And so, so we see that when there's rest going on, then there is the manifestation of the church. I like in one story I heard about Adam. He wanted to go fishing, and so he told Eve one afternoon, I, I, I need a break. I, 
work, working way too hard in the garden, so I'm going to go fishing. She said, no problem. And he went fishing. He didn't show up for dinner, and so she put it in the, in the fridge there uh, in, the, in the garden, and, uh, and, and then she went to, to bed and was waiting up for him, finally fell asleep, and he came in way late at night, and was ne- he'd never done before, and, and so he just snuck into bed and tried to get to sleep without waking her, and, and uh, before long, he started feeling this, these pokes in, in his side. And uh, several times, he, he felt in his, she, it was hurting. He, he turned and he says, Eve, what are, you, what are you poking me in the side for? She said, I'm counting your ribs. I want to make sure there's not another woman out there. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? He's got to make sure there's no other women. Make sure you have the same amount of ribs as you did before. But the point is, the point is when, 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 when we experience rest, then that is when the church begins to rise up and become who God's called it to be. Number two, we see that our true covenant relationship with God begins to be realized. Abram went to sleep, fell into a deep sleep, and there the Lord made a covenant with him. Genesis chapter 15, what's a covenant? It's the most intimate relationship you can ever have. God made a covenant with Abram when? When he was asleep, when he was resting. When you are at rest, when you are turned everything over to the Lord, that real covenant relationship, that intimate relationship with God that you've longed for your whole life can begin to take place. But you... If you're worried, stressed out, and all this kind of stuff is is driving you crazy, let me tell you something. You're missing an intimate relationship with God because when you are resting in God, there are no worries. That was a good amen point right there. It's just no worries. Number three, when you're resting in the Lord, insights begin to come. Insights begin to come. Daniel was at rest. He was sleeping a deep sleep, and God began to give him insights about what was going to happen in the days and the years to come. And God will share what He's doing with you and through you when you are in a posture of rest. You don't have to be wondering what's going on. Why am I going through this? God will, as you inquire in your posture of rest, God will begin to give you downloads. Number four, instruction comes to you from a posture of rest. Joseph. Uh, Jesus' stepdad, if you would, was given a, a, a vision or spoken to uh, as he was asleep. And God said, woke him up and says, hey, listen, you need to go and take your family to Egypt and you need to rescue your family here. He got what? He got instruction as he was resting before the Lord. You'll know the things you need to do as you're resting in the Lord. Number five, faith will come to you to oppose any storm in your life when you're resting in the Lord. A good Twitter tweet that you could tweet out if you want right now, I'll say it to you and I'll say it again because I think it's really powerful. Only people at rest in a storm can oppose a storm. Only people at rest in a storm can ever oppose a storm. Jesus was in a boat. There was a storm that came. But what was Jesus doing? He was asleep. He was resting before God. And his posture of rest, the, 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 everyone else was fearful, but not Jesus. Jesus was stirred out of his rest by the disciples. He spoke to the storm. The storm stopped. What am I saying? It is from the posture of rest, out of the posture of trust, trusting in the Lord that you can speak to the things that are coming against your life. 
So here's the importance of rest. It's really, really important. And I'm not talking like rest, let's all go take a nap. Let's go pull out our, our mats, you know, like in preschool and take a little siesta. I'm talking about a spiritual rest. Before I explain this, I gotta give you a backstory. The Bible, the Old Testament, especially, well, specifically Old Testament, is full of many, many stories. You're familiar with lots of them. The reason God wrote these stories was historical for number one, number two, to show us how other people responded through crises similar to us or situations. But number three was also to give us a type or a shadow of things to come. Paul would refer to that in 1 Corinthians. He would say even that the, everything that happened to the people in the wilderness were examples or types or shadows of something that was yet to come. Give me an example, example of what I'm talking about. It. Things this, they went through just didn't happen by happenstance. In fact, the time where the bitter water was before the Israelites and they had, God said, throw a, throw a piece of wood in there. And they threw a piece of wood and suddenly the bitter waters became sweet. Well, was that just for a story to read? No, it was speaking to us of Jesus. Jesus being the son of God crucified on a tree. The tree being thrown, the cross thrown into the bitter waters makes everything sweet. Moses struck the rock, out of the rock came water. Speaking to us that when Jesus would be struck then out of him would come living water. In fact, that's one of the reasons that Moses, that was the main reason Moses was not allowed to enjoy the promised land, not because God was upset because he you know, struck the rock twice, later he would ask to be speak to, this, to the rock instead of strike the rock. Instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it. He was so angry at the people and God goes, you know, because of that, I'm not gonna let you go into the promise. I can't, I would love to, but I can't, why? Because he ruined a picture of the cross. Because Jesus would only be struck once, not twice. And so God, God, God says, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I, I can't let you go in because that would mean I would be blessing that story and that story can't be blessed because you messed up a beautiful type and shadow. This is how serious these stories were in the Old Testament. Everything points to the cross. If you read it closely, you'll see Jesus and the cross in almost every story that you come across. That's why it's such a beautiful thing to read. And when it comes to the Sabbath, it's no different. In fact, let's look at this passage in Exodus chapter 31 closely. Observe the Sabbath <laughs> because it's holy to you. Okay, I get that. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Whoa, whoa, hold on, God, this is pretty serious here. I mean, what do you mean desecrate? Anyone who works on the Sabbath, anyone that, that, that goes jogging on the Sabbath, anybody that you know does anything that requires effort on the Sabbath is gonna be killed. I'm like, man, that's, that's really harsh, isn't it, God? Well. It goes on to say, no, let's read it. Those who do any work on this day must be cut off from the people. For six days work to be done. For the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. 
Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath. Now here's why this is so important, that they understand that you rest on this particular day. So much I want to say. It's because it's a type. It's, it's pointing to something else. In fact, he says it like this. Celebrating it for generations to come. That's, that's us. We're generations to come. As a lasting covenant. And it will, the Sabbath, be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. The understanding of the Sabbath is a big deal. It's a big deal for several reasons, because if you don't understand the principle of rest, if you don't understand the principle of of casting your cares upon the Lord, then it could cost you your life. It could cost you your family. It could cost you your health. It could cost you opportunities that are lying before you that you will miss. Why? Because you didn't understand the principle of the Sabbath. Now, I'm I'm talking about this literal day, and I'll explain this in a minute. But the Sabbath had two meanings. Number one, it was a lasting covenant, meaning that it applies for us today. And number two, it's a sign. It was a sign. Now, now. You, you have to understand what the purpose of a sign is. If I say to you, hey, I'm going to go down to the Gulf, to Gulf Shores and hang out at the beach, I don't, I don't go to the sign that says beach access three miles away and sit underneath the sign and have a picnic, right? So the purpose of a sign is to point you to something else. Hello? You follow signs to get where you're going. God's saying this Sabbath day to the Israelites is going to be an everlasting covenant. It's going to be something all generations are going to understand, and it will be pointing to something that's yet to come. Oh, this is good. You don't, don't shout me down because I'm, I'm, I, 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 I don't need that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to point to something else. Let me break it down. On, this, on the sixth day, Genesis chapter 2, God finished what he was doing, uh, creating the earth. He said, I can't do any more. It's perfect the way it is now. If I add any more to it, it'll be ruined. I made a perfect world. And he goes, it's finished. It's done. It's perfect. There's no more work to do. And then God, verse 3, chapter 2, blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, or he consecrated it. And then Jesus comes along and tells us, here's really what the Sabbath's all about. I'm going to have the worship team come. Here's, here's, here's what Jesus says. He comes along, chapter, Mark, chapter 2, verse Mark, uh, chapter 2 of the book of Mark, verse 23 One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the green fields. His disciples walked along, and they began to pick up some heads of wheat and throw it in their mouth. They're hungry. They're eating. And the Pharisees are like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was work. You just worked. You just took something off and put it in your mouth. That's that's working. You're not keeping the Sabbath holy. You're, You're desecrating this day. You know the law of Moses, you know what God said, we're supposed to keep this day holy, we're not supposed to work. And Jesus says, he goes, the Sabbath 
was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man himself is Lord even of the Sabbath. In one sentence, what Jesus did was blew their minds. He flipped the script. For 2,000 years, they had all written down the code that they were supposed to follow every seventh day, how you're supposed to live, what you're not supposed to do, what you can do. They had all these regulations. Jesus comes along and in one sentence uh, does totally away with all this legalism that the Jews had been used to living with for this length of time. And he says, the Son of Man is, now here's here's what he said. He says, the Son of Man, me, is now the Lord of this day. And say it again. The Sabbath is no longer a day. Hear me. The Sabbath is now a person. Uh, it's no longer this day we got, we're going to, consecrate this one day and we're not going to do this and that. No, I'm telling you, all of that was to point to something greater. And guess what? The greater's here. It's not a, it's not a, a thing with rituals we go through. It's things we don't do. It's things we do do. It is a person. It was always a person. It is the person of Jesus. He is the He is the Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. On the cross, Jesus did exactly what God did after the sixth day in the garden. After the sixth day in the garden, God brushed his hands, says it is finished. I can't do anymore. I made a perfect earth, a a perfect world. Now I can sit down and enjoy all that I've created. Man spoils it all, comes into the garden, makes a big mess of it. Jesus, the second Adam, comes down the pipe 4,000 years later uh, and says, hey, Hey, guess what? Guess what? I got some news for you. I've come to com- I've come to restore what God did on the sixth day back there in the garden. I want you to know that I'm going to hang on the cross. I'm going to stretch out my hands and I'm going to say it is finished. And when I say it is finished, then everything you do to work your way to God is done. I am the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath. Well, does that mean I can go to work on Sundays now and I can blow off Sundays and do whatever I want? No, I think you need to take a day and you need to honor it. You need to come to a place of fellowship and worship and love on God and love on others. But you need to do the same thing on a Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. The cross became my Sabbath. Why? Because rest isn't a nap you take at two in the afternoon on Sunday afternoon. Rest is a person. Hebrews chapter four, the writer of Hebrews would say it like this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone, that means me and you, Anyone who enters into God's rest, let me say it like this, anyone who enters into Christ also rests from their works just as God did from his.
What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying there's a rest waiting for you to enter into. Your soul has to thrive in the soil of rest. You can't be uptight, anxious, and worried. Oh, 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 they, they, I watch this, this war over there, and there's, there's famine over here, and there's, there's like a financial crisis over here. Oh, oh my goodness, and, and the doctor said this, and the bank said that, and my spouse said this, and oh my goodness, for crying out loud, enter into the rest that God has provided for you. My goodness. My, you got ulcers. You're you about to have a stroke. You're all messed up. You perspire all the time. Not that that's, you live in South Alabama. It's going to happen. It would be like, it would be like Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Somebody said he has a, a few dollars. Like the richest guy in the world, Okay. He walks up to you and goes, hey, I know you've been really working hard. You've been really worn, you're worn out. Listen, I've already made the arrangements. I've taken care of your mortgage. In fact, it's all, this is a story, okay? We're just figuring this out. And I'm not Elon Musk. But hey, listen, I've taken care of your mortgage. Talk to my people, your mortgage, you don't have a mortgage. I have no more car payment. I've already got that taken care of and paid that off. Your, child, your children's uh, tuitions all been paid for. In fact, I got a little savings account I built up for you. You're gonna have a wonderful day. In fact, I'm gonna treat you to a, a one month vacation on a cruise to the Mediterranean. All on me, it's all paid for. I got it all taken care of. My people are on it, it's all done. All you have to do is just go. How many would say that's a pretty good deal? That's a really good deal. It's the same deal that God gives you every day. It would be ridiculous for my brother to go, you know, I know Elon, you've made a few good decisions in your life, but my life's really complicated. And I don't think you're as responsible as maybe I am. And I, 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 I'm just gonna stay home and you can keep your money. I need to keep working on this issue that I'm facing. I, I gotta work through this because only I can fix this situation. And so we go through all these red tapes and circus, circus stunts and everything, trying to go, go, go around. And, and we, we, all we have to do is say, God, I trust you. I cast my cares upon the Lord for he careth for me. And let me, well, pastor, listen, I got a situation that's, I think it's like, no one's ever had this one. I mean, it's, it's a, it blows my own mind. This is so, have you ever met someone? Hey, hey, how you doing? Are you in a relationship? Well, it's complicated. You ever met someone like that? It's just complicated. I, I can't describe it to you. And some of us live our lives like that. Our lives are just so complicated. And, and God, you know. And so there's a story in the Bible. You read it. You read it every Christmas. And Jesus said, I want you to go and tie that young little colt. The colt? What is a colt? What is this donkey? It's a burden bearer. I want you to tie this young, untie that young little burden bearer that's never been ridden 
and I want you to bring it to me because I'm gonna ride into my city of peace on this brand new burden bear that no one's ever ridden on and I'm gonna do it for a reason. You know why he did it? He did it 2,000 years ago. So you and I could go to him and say, God, I know this situation seems to be unique. At least it's unique to me. It's a, it seems like a brand new situation to me. I've never been through this. I've never known anyone to go through this. But Lord, I'm gonna trust you. And I, you, I'm gonna believe you because you said to cast all my cares on you. So I'm casting my cares on you. And Jesus gets up from his throne. He puts his leg around that little young colt that's never been burned, that new situation that situation that no one's ever dreamed would ever happen to you and he gets on that thing and he rides right into the city of peace and he communicates to us a message that he will carry your burden he will carry your situation right into the city of peace right into the city of peace so you walk with peace in your heart that's called the rest of God it's Sabbath rest it's the cross, it's Jesus, it's the Lord himself coming into the human form and dying on a cross for our sins uh, so we can experience something that no one else before Jesus could ever experience and that is rest for our soul. Rest for our soul. You say, Pastor, how did I get that rest? Well, first of all, it starts with just turning your life over to Jesus. I'm gonna have our prayer teams come stand here. The reason we have prayer teams come and stand at the end of service is because sometimes we just need to have someone pray with us. The Bible says we're two or more gathered together in my name, I'm also there. It's also a good opportunity for you to come down and let someone say, how can I pray? And you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. And they can pray with you about that as well. We had more than 20 people down here at the altar last Sunday said, I want Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Those here this morning, I believe there's some really heavy burdens in your life. I just sense that as we were worshiping the Lord, I just sense the Lord whispering to my heart, there's some heavy burdens in this house. I don't know what that means, but I believe you do. Heavy, it's heavy. Can't get it off of your mind. Seems to always follow you around. It's just always there in your face. And, it, and, and, and you, you don't even wanna to go to sleep sometimes. There's somebody here, you don't even wanna to go to sleep at night because you know you're gonna be waking up in the middle of the night worrying about the situation. Today, the Lord is breaking that off of your life. Today's breaking it off your life. He's breaking it off your life. There's some people here, you physically, you have a physical body need. You need God to do something in your body. I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at. I have a physical need. It's burdening me, it's weighing me down, and I need God to come into my body, into my life, because what he said, he says, I wish that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. Amen, amen. We're gonna do something here this morning because we're a body, we're one family. If there's somebody standing near you, I want you to, to 
Put your hand over there and touch them on the shoulder. Just go stand beside them. I'm gonna lead us all in a prayer. But I want you to go, come on, stand beside somebody. Come on, everybody, please. Yeah, just go find someone that's standing. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna watch God do a miracle. Anybody you're standing, you need a miracle and someone's not touching you, raise your hand. Let me, I don't want anyone to be missed. Raise your hand, Pastor. I need, I need, I need someone late right here. Got you, got you, brother. Anybody else, anybody? Over here in the corner, right there. Got you, you got them? Amen. Amen. Father God, right now, in Jesus' name. Father, we release a miracle into their bodies and into their life right now, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord God, that we can rest. And you said, Lord God, that if our soul prospered, that our, our bodies would prosper as well. And so, God, we take your word for face value, face value, that, Lord, there's nothing that you cannot do. You are a miracle maker. And so we declare today, Lord, Lord, on all these individuals standing here, that that healing would begin to be made manifest in their body, even now as we speak, even right now, even right now, right now, even right now, Lord God, tumors gone in Jesus' name. Tumors dried up in Jesus' name. X-rays that will be done in the next several weeks, Lord, totally cleared up. It's gone in Jesus' name. We declare, Lord God, that that knee, Lord, is locked up in Jesus' name, healed. We're calling upon the miracle worker. We're calling upon the living God today. Thank you, Father. The lower back issue, Lord God, that lower back issue right now in Jesus' name, we declare, Lord God, those muscles to be freed up in the name of, and a testimony come from their mouth that God healed me when I was at the worship service. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Others here, I believe, was, you, have a, you, have a, a, you have a child that's, that's really burdened you down. You have a child that's really burdened you, like, I don't know, maybe away from God, I don't know, doesn't know the Lord, maybe, uh, maybe in trouble of some kind. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high. I have a, I have a child that needs God. All right, I, I want you to keep your hand up. Come on, you see that? Now, same thing for those around. I want you to find somebody with a hand up, please, and put, go put your hand on their shoulder, just gently on their shoulder. Come on, everybody, if we can do this together, because we're one church. We're one church, one church. Amen, amen. Amen. We're going to believe, Father God, right now in Jesus' name. We call forth that child in Jesus' name. We declare that that child come to know Christ. We declare that that child come to the faith, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We declare today by faith as one family, Lord God, that there is a Sabbath rest for that child. We declare, Lord God, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, 
that the hounds of heaven will come and roar into their soul, roar into their spirit, roar into their heart. And Lord, there'll be a turnaround, a quick turnaround, and they will repent. They will fall to their knees. They will cry out to their God. Oh God, save me. Save me, oh God. I come to you and ask for repentance, oh Lord, and forgiveness. We thank you for that, Lord, and we praise you for that, for you are a great and a mighty and glorious God. We give you all the praise in the name of Jesus. Can we all stand to our feet? Can we all stand to our feet? Can we just love on the Lord for a few minutes? Can we just love on the Lord and just bless Him? Just bless Him. Just bless Him. Just bless Him this morning. We worship you, Lord. You won't fail, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. You won't fail, God. You won't fail, Lord. You don't know how to fail, Father God. Our prayer teams are going to be here today. We would love to stay and pray with you. We're going to take communion over here to my right and to your left. If you and your family and friends would like to take communion, don't forget about this Wednesday night. Pastor Kemp Holden is going to be in the building and bringing a series on the fruit of the Spirit, so you don't want to miss that. We'll see you at church. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, our 8.15 or at 10.30. God bless you.